Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK Weekly Podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! Right now we are in the middle of a series. It's called 4 Plus 6. It's a study on the Ten Commandments. And uh, today we will be continuing in that. Uh, and uh, today's topic title uh, is You Shall Not Murder. Well, that's it. Help you enjoy the rest of the service. No, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, but the truth is this, you know, when we look at, you know, what the Bible says about, you know, uh, obvious things like don't murder, uh, it's very easy for us to glaze over and think that, you know what, I don't, I don't need a reminder on that. It's just common sense. Well, it is common sense, but we've also discovered that sometimes common sense is not that common. God put it in there for a reason, and we want to uh, allow God to speak. So why don't we pray and turn to God first? Amen. Let's lift up our hands. Let's pray. God, we surrender today's preaching into your hands. Lord, we receive your instruction and your correction for us today. And God, give us the strength to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's right. You shall not murder. Why don't you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 17. Uh, last week, we talked about honoring your father and your mother. And today, we are continuing in uh, the remainder 6 of the 4 plus 6 series. Uh, as you know, four uh, commands initially representing our relationship and how we should respond to God, and six that governs our relationship uh, with our neighbors. And in Deuteronomy uh, chapter uh, 5, 17, it just says very plainly, you shall not murder. And let us talk about a few things, you know, right off the gate. You know, the Hebrew word for murder is uh, rashak. Uh, which means to 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 murder, <laughs> to slay, uh, to be premeditated and intentional in the killing. And so, let me first of all clarify when talking about murder um, that while murder involves killing, not every killing is murder in the Bible. You know, so as Christians, we don't ever have to feel like, oh no, thou shalt not murder. Uh, so does it mean that we can't eat meat? You know, is God's original plan for his people to be vegetarian because, you know, meat is murder as we have been told by the media. But, you know, God says that, no, you, you know, if you, if you kill an animal uh, for consumption, that's not murder. You're not thinking, you're not going out of your way to cause it harm and, and violence. You know, or the same with wars. You know, wars is... Is, is not something that God wants, but it's something that has happened in the Bible many times. And God many times commands His people to, to go to war, for them to go to battle, to protect. And that's what many times soldiers do, you know. It's to defend, not to cause war. Then that becomes, you know, murder and, and genocide. But if you are, you know, Christian or, or planning to be part of the army one day, that that 
there doesn't need to be a conflict in your heart of like, oh no, can I or can I not shoot the other person? You know, as long as we're, we're, we're defending and, and not trying to assault people, then, you know, the Bible says it very clearly that that's not murder. That's just killing to defend, you know, or killing in self-defense. Uh, you know, in, and, and also, um, uh, you know, the word murder here says, you know, premeditated, intentional. You know, I went to law school and one thing I remember from law school is that, you know, for murder, for that to be someone convicted guilty of murder, there needs to be two acts. There needs to be the guilty thought and the guilty act. You know, actus rea and mens rea. You know, mens rea, if I'm not mistaken, is the guilty thought. Actus rea, the guilty act. And the same thing, you know, murder is defined by the Bible is also, you know, premeditated, intentional. So I just wanted to clear the air, you know, because maybe some of you have been thinking, oh no, you know, it, it, can I be Christian and a police officer? You know, can I be Christian and stop crime? Uh, and, and the answer is, is, is yes. But if you're not convinced by me, then, then seek the Lord uh, for confirmation of your career decisions and choice. But I know for a fact that this definitely doesn't mean uh, that we uh, ought to only eat vegetables and that we we cannot, you know, uh, be slaughtering animal for consumption. So all the meat eaters in the chat, give me a, a yes and amen. <laughs> uh, definitely some people louder than, than others. No, but hey, uh, church, we love everyone. And so, you know, while on the surface, this looks so simple, you shall not murder. And like I said, uh, we tend to look over the simplest parts of the Bible, thinking that it doesn't have anything to teach us but you know we want to go in a little bit deeper uh, and so we ask ourselves three questions uh, to help us unpack every week uh, and the three questions also form the three points and so the first question in regards to you shall not murder is this what does this command teach us about who we are well the answer is straightforward we have anger issues now, I know not everyone watching right now uh, will naturally profess that, no, you know, to be a violent person. And most of the time, you know, we would even confess to breaking a lot of the other commandments, but, but never murder. Uh, but as we go in deeper, as we look into Jesus' teaching on murder, uh, you know, you, you, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. The Bible says he came to fulfill it. And in his teaching, he, he you know, he raised up the level. Uh, and so why don't we let Jesus' words take it away? Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 to 22? Matthew 5, 21 to 22 says this. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. So, so that's pretty clear. But I say to you that whoever is angry with this brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, which is Hebrew for you, you empty fool, your empty head, uh, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever who says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Now, why do I say we all have anger issues? Because nobody wakes up in the morning going like, I want to kill someone. We don't, you know. <laughs> Most of the time, it's because of anger in our heart um, that we are not dealing with in the right way. 
Uh, the Bible says, you know, it's okay to be angry, but do not sin. And the problem is this, is that, you know, while we are angry and it's okay to be angry, anger is part of our emotion, you know, our sinful nature, our fallen nature, uh, our brokenness makes it an issue. If you know what I'm saying, there's nothing wrong with anger, but our flesh makes it an issue. And that's why we have an anger issue. We have unresolved things. And Jesus said that. Don't just say, you know, don't commit murder. But if you have hatred in your heart, you know, without cause, uh, if you insult someone, if you look down at someone and nobody uh, calls another person a, a, a fool or, or stupid uh, if they do not first assume a position of superiority. You know what I'm saying? You know, because when you insult someone, you're talking down to them. You're slamming them. You know, and Jesus says, that if you do that, if you hate without reason, you've committed murder. And if you insult, you've committed murder. If you ridicule, you've committed murder because murder starts at the heart and and murder begins in the heart and and you know think of it this way right so you know our body who we are is is kind of like to borrow this analogy from lord of the rings uh, uh we are like a smeagol or golem uh, essentially the, the 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 same person you know, those of you who watch it before, if you haven't paused this, go watch it, come back, you know, or, or watch it after the service. You know, you, you have this very broken creature uh, called Smeagol or Golem. And, and, and they are the same person. Smeagol uh, hopes for redemption, hopes to do good. But Golem is the one that goes, ah, my precious, my precious. And Smeagol's the one that goes, no, but the master is good. And then Golem's the one that goes, no, master wants to trick us. You know, that, that, that whole scene is, is like, you know, who we are. On one part, there is a part of us that, that will look at murder and go like, I'll never commit that. You know, who would do that? And yet there's a part of us, the golem part of us, the fleshly part of us, the broken part of us that will hate, and that will, you know, ridicule, uh, that holds grudges. And, and I know, you know, some people here, uh, you are much better at handling uh, anger than others, but that doesn't change the fact that you've got issues. You know, we all have got issues. Uh, we all have hatred in our hearts. You know, if I can share this little, you know, thing that happened to me when I was young, uh, I still remember my first uh, uh, racist thought. I know I'm really being real here. I was really young. <laughs> I was in Malaysia, and, and in Malaysia, I live in this part of Malaysia called Penang. Penang is this beautiful island, you know, multicultural, multi-ethnic. And I was about five years old. And, and it's not like I grew up in a, in a racist family, like, you know, we, I mean, we all have our own prejudices, just, just, just being real, growing up, that, that's my family, and being an Asian environment, you know, multicultural, sometimes there's certain prejudices that come up, but we were not like hatefully, you know, I wasn't hatefully brought up to hate a particular group of people, and yet I still remember this. Uh, that one day when I was in a car ride with my mom, 
and just staring outside. And, and, and where I come from, Penang, is predominantly uh, a Chinese. Uh, what we have other cultures there. Malaysia is predominantly, you know, Malay, but, but certain parts, you know, certain uh, ethnic groups uh, outweigh the other. And I, I still remember, you know, and, and we had good relationships. I, we had Malay neighbors and Chinese neighbors and Indian neighbors. And so, so, so we love them all. We, we, you know, but I don't know why. In that car ride, sin slash the flesh slash golem reared his ugly head. And I just asked my mom a very innocent, but at the same time, extremely racist question of like, I asked my mom this. I said, mom, you know, why are there other races in Penang? Like if, if we outnumber them, why don't they just move to another place and let us have this whole island to ourselves? I know, right? I was five years old. Nobody taught me to be racist, but the flesh. That's what I'm getting at. We might say that I've got no issue, but we've got issues. We've got anger issues. We've got resentment issues. Uh, we have, you know, our own biases. And, and so I remember asking my mom that, and my mom gave me the cheekiest answer ever. You know, her indirect way of telling me off is like, oh, that's something interesting, she told me. Why don't you ask your friends of other races? <laughs> I think my mom was trying to kill me. Anyway, uh, uh, it wasn't long before my mom, you know, went on to elaborate. That's not how we should think. And that's not how the world works. We need to learn to share. But that doesn't change the fact that nobody taught me to hate, but hate came naturally. And that's what Jesus was trying to get at. You know, you might say that on the outside, oh, no, you never murder someone. You, you don't have a violent bone in your body. And yet in your hearts, you hate. In your hearts, you insult. In your hearts, you gossip. And that is as guilty as committing the act. In fact, Jesus raises the bar. If the courts today say you need to have not just a guilty intention, but the guilty act and vice versa, Jesus is saying all you need is a guilty intention and you are guilty. And, and this is to tell us, Jesus was not just trying to make us feel bad. Jesus was telling us to watch it because every violent act starts as a thought. And as we begin to accept the fact that we've got anger issues, we will be able to better address them and arrest them. In fact, you know, Jesus, uh, uh, I, I wrote here, let me ask you this, you know. So having learned all this now, uh, let me ask you this question. Have you murdered someone lately? <laughs> I mean, we all have, right? We all have. We are guilty. You know, if we have not hated someone else, what about ourselves? Right? You know, the Bible says, you know, Jesus says, if you call someone a fool, you're guilty. How many times have we condemned ourselves? Have we refused to forgive ourselves? You know, have we told ourselves, oh, I'm so stupid, I'm so dumb, I'm so dumb, when there is nothing to prove it? Yeah, we make mistakes, but 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 some of us we we live with this perpetual self-shaming guilt. Uh, that we lash on ourselves and, and, and Jesus is saying that is equally destructive. Your thoughts, not just the act itself, is equally destructive. In fact, Jesus goes on to, to nail it home by saying that murder begins in the heart 
uh, and we all have issues in John chapter 8, verse 44. John 8, 44. You know, it's a long verse, even though it's one verse, so I'm not going to read the whole of it, but here we go. Jesus, in, in rebuking the, the Pharisees, says, You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. It goes on, but we're going to stop there. What I want us to focus on is the desires of the father, of your father, you want to do. And he was a murderer. You see, it all starts with a desire in our hearts, a desire to hate, a desire to judge, a desire to look down, a desire to tear someone down so that we feel better about ourselves. That's what essentially hatred and prejudice is, gossip is. Because if you can convince yourself in your own mind that that group of people, that that particular person is, is good for nothing, uh, not worthy of forgiveness or redemption, then it makes you feel better because you are the one who can extend the forgiveness and redemption. And Jesus is saying wrong, wrong. You know, murder is wrong. But Jesus is saying, I'm here to arrest the problem at its root. So is the heart. The heart is wrong. When the heart is wrong, you know, murder naturally happens. And so the, the, the first thing we got to understand, you know, what does this command teach us about ourselves is that we are not as saintly as we think we are. You know, and we are more guilty than we care to admit. And admitting is the first step towards healing. When we know the truth, the truth shall set us free. And so point number one is this, we have anger issues. And so what do you do with this? Point number two or question number two that we ask ourselves is this, what, why was this command given, right? So we have anger issues. Okay, God, I get it. So, so, so what do you want us to do? Why, why did you tell us not to murder. Well, it's not just telling us not to murder. It's telling us to do the opposite, to love. And so my point is this, we are called to be peacemakers. Not doing harm is not good enough. We must also do good. Telling yourself that, oh, I'm not a bad person. I don't kill. No, no, you got to ask yourself, okay, you don't kill, but do you love? And Jesus was clear about this. Why don't we turn uh, to Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 to 26. This is going to be a deep dive in, this, in, in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, 23 to 26, Jesus says this, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly and while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, the judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there until you have paid the last penny. Jesus was essentially here telling us that, hey, it's not good enough that you don't murder. You need to be a peacemaker. We are called 
to be peacemakers. And again, Jesus here is saying that, do you, you think that God desires your sacrifice? Do you think that God desires, prioritizes your spiritual act uh, before your relationship with man? No, both are equally valid. If you're there at the altar, Jesus says, and you're about to, to get really spiritual and present your gift to God, present your burnt offering to God, and then at that moment, you suddenly remember that you have something not right with your brother or your sister, you know, and, and it's not just biological. It means your, your brethren and your, your sister, if I can use that word, you know, the people around you, then you are to pause. You are to stop that. You are to interrupt that act of worship. You are to interrupt your spirituality and go make peace. Go be reconciled. You know, if you have conflict, in other words, Jesus is saying that, you know, as long as you're living with someone, you know, in the community, in society, uh, conflicts happen. But when they do happen, don't drag it out to the point of going to court. Make peace. You know, go and, 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 and if anyone accuses you, even if you have an adversary and they, they want to drag you to court, then go and make peace. You know, lest a, a verdict be delivered. And in other words, Jesus is saying that, you know, make peace while there can uh, still be room for peace. Because once you go to the courts, once a verdict is delivered, somebody's going to get hurt. You know, it's either going to be you or the other person, but someone will be hurt. And you know what will also be hurt? That relationship. So, so why was this given? What does this teach us about God? You know, it tells us that God, the God we serve, values relationship, not just with Him, but with our fellow men. And the God we serve wants us. He, he wants His people uh, to be peacemakers because is it easy? No, it's, it's not. You know, uh, but God asks us to do it. You know, God wants us to be peacemakers regardless of who is right or wrong. That's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus said, right? It says that if you suddenly remember that your brother has something against you and he has something against you, was it, is it his fault that your brother, you know, is it his issue? Doesn't matter. You know, we live in a world that, that goes like, well, that's not my issue. That's not my problem. And Jesus is saying that if you suddenly remember that there's someone out there, someone who's hating on you, someone who's unhappy with you, go and make peace. Even if that hatred is unwarranted. Leave your gift. Go make peace and then come back and give that gift. So again, God says both. Not one or the other, but both. The spiritual and the circular, both. Honor God in both. And, and, and what's more powerful is this, that God is saying that when you make peace, don't dwell on who was right or who was wrong, but focus on the peace. If you have an adversary, an adversary is someone who is against you, someone who accuses you, and, and, and you are dra being dragged to court, make peace while you're on your way to court. You know, God doesn't say that, you know, go to court because, you know, if you're on the right side, you know, my justice will be for you. No, God says that I, I value relationships more. You know, because, you know, once relationships are broken, they, they, they can't always be put back together again. So before it's fully fractured to pieces, make peace. 
when I read this, I, I, I certainly remember of something that happened in my own life. The day I got married, um, was it now um, eight years ago? Um, I, my best man um, in, is a dear friend of mine. And the, the honest truth is this, that <laughs> in, in the journey of, of, of friendship, um, things got sour. And, and this was a very dear, good friend, an amazing friend of mine. You know, I had, you know, on the record, I had two best men <laughs> on, on my wedding uh, day uh, because I had two friends that I hold very dear. Um, but one of them, I especially wanted him to be my best man was because in the journey of us being friends and working together in church, and, and, and unfortunately, sometimes it is in serving together in the ministry that we, in working together closely, that we end up hurting the people around us, that we end up offending the people around us. And I had in my, you know, youthful, brashful younger days of leadership, you know, um, led with maybe too much of an iron fist and I've ended up hurting um, my relationship with this particular friend of mine. Um, and, uh, and, and it hurt me, I apologize, but it felt like things were, were still not quite right. And so what I did as I was preparing to get married, I, I wanted to really show this friend that I value him and, and that while I might have hurt him in the past and, and maybe not completely deserving of his forgiveness or maybe he needs more time to forgive or maybe it, things might never go back to the same way even if there was forgiveness. Uh, I, I made it a point to go like, hey brother, I, I want you to be my best man because that's how much I cherish you. I, that, that I want you to know that as far, you know, you, you might still be angry at me, but I want you to know that as far as I'm concerned, I value you and I want you there by my side on, on, on one of the happiest days of my life. And even though I, I, I did that, I could still feel, <laughs> and maybe what didn't help us, you know, marriage preparation can get pretty stressful. Uh, uh, that maybe in the marriage prep, Thomas was stepped on one more time. And I still remember, you know, we were on our way to church. I was on my way to get married. Um, I was on my way, not to the temple to give a gift, but I was on my way to the temple, to the church, uh, to receive a gift <laughs> from my wife. Um, but on the way there, when it was just two of us in the car, because he came to pick me up and, we, and, and drove me to church. I just felt led that, you know, I certainly remember this portion of scripture and, and on the way I told him, hey brother, again, I'm sorry. You know, I know that I apologized before and I know I wanted you to be my best man to show that, you know, I really want things to go back to the way things were. And I apologize again because I'm sure in the run up to the big day, I must have stepped on your toes and and, and I'm so sorry again. And, and on our way, uh, you know, to get me married, brother, I want you to know, would you forgive me? I don't want you standing by my side there, you know, angry at me or, 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 or me unknowingly, you know, uh, being a sore a sight to you. No, brother, would you forgive me? And of course, praise God, you know, he said, yeah, you know, 
yeah, don't don't worry about it. You know, it's you know, it's 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 water under the bridge. I'm just saying that to say that you know we we need to live out. Is it easy to be a peacemaker? No. Was it easy for me on my way? And I could be very selfish. It's my day, you know. It's about me. Who cares? No. But what's more important is not your day. It's not the gift. It's not the sacrifice. It's not the worship. It's the relationship. And 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 God is saying, make peace. It's not easy, but that's why God says this in Matthew chapter five, verse nine. Blessed are the peacemakers, because God knows it's hard. But blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. The fact that Jesus loves us, and a lot of us watching this right now, you are a son or a daughter of God. You are a child of God. Jesus has saved you. Your past has been forgiven. You have been reconciled with God. And Jesus is saying again that because you are a son of God, be a peacemaker. You know, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Again, it's not work or grace, it's works and grace. It's law and grace. The law says be a peacemaker, but it is the grace of God, the being called, being made a child of God that enables us to be a peacemaker. And so I want to encourage us, why was this command given? Because God calls us to be his children. And his children are to be peacemakers. And a peacemaker is not there to decide who's right, who's wrong. A peacemaker is there just to make peace. And so I encourage you, amen, let's be peacemakers. Maybe you've got someone in your life that you've hurt. And like I said, you know, this is this is not easy. You know, we, we live in a world where there are such things as broken relationships. There are such things as toxic relationships. There are such things as people who have hurt us and abused our trust, uh, people who have deceived us. These are very real challenges. And yet God says, be a peacemaker. And I want to elaborate this a little bit more in our third point, which also starts with a question. So how do we live it out today? Well, we live it out today by doing this. We need to go out of our way to love others and reconcile. I know. <laughs> you feel like killing me right now, right? You feel like murdering me right now because I'm just, I don't know, digging up uh, some, some, some past in your life. But friends, this is not my words. This is the teachings of Jesus. You know, we, we want to look at how Jesus fulfills the commands. And, and he says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 to uh, 45. Seven verses. Here we go. You have heard that it is said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. 
You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Yikes. Like I said, you know, are there toxic relationships? Have we been used and abused? We, we all have to a certain extent. But this is what God says, that we are to love our enemies. Those that have used us, those that have cursed you, bless those who curse you. Those that have hate you, brought you much pain, do good to those who hate you. Those who have used you in the past, do pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Again, Jesus reminds us of the grace that has been extended to us. We have been made sons and daughters of the Most High God. And that's why now we can love, bless, repay good, and pray for those who are against us. We need to go out of our way, is what Jesus is saying. <laughs> I know, don't, <laughs> I know you're hating me. And I'm hating myself as I'm reading this because I'm like, God, it's hard enough to forgive. It's hard enough to obey. It's hard enough to love. God, why do you tell us to go out of our way? God, why? Well, I'll tell you why. When we look at the verse, turn the other cheek, we think that, oh, God, just what? It's, it's, it's not good enough that I'm a victim. God wants to victimize me some more. No, God is saying that, no, when you turn the other cheek, you're also turning the tables. You're turning the tables of power. And, and when you turn the other cheek, it, you are robbing the conflict of its power. You are exemplifying who God is. And that at the end of the day is, is what sons and daughters are meant to do. Sons and daughters represent the Father. And what did Jesus do? Jesus gave up his rights to go the extra mile to love and to reconcile. We've got to surrender. We've got to give up our rights, our right to be angry, our right to be right, our right to, you know, our privilege, whatever it is. But, but Jesus wasn't challenging us to do something that he wasn't doing himself. Guess what Jesus did? Right there, as he was teaching them, he had already given up his privilege, you know, as, as, as the fullness of God put on the form of a man, came in a humble way, being born not in the palace but in the manger to take away the sins of men. He was there to turn the other cheek, to receive the full brunt of our sin and shame. Jesus did go the extra mile. You cannot go further than from heaven to earth. And that's what Jesus did. And Jesus is here saying that, I know this sounds hard, 
but know that I'm not asking you to do something that I've not first done. And when you do this, you turn the tables. You turn the table on sin. You turn the table on shame. You turn the table on your past. You know, when you give in to those that accuse, you know, and, and trust me, I've been there before. I've apologized many times for, for things that I've not necessarily done wrong. Is it easy to first forgive? No. But the fact that Jesus did it first helps me to first forgive. Just as how we have been forgiven first by God, we must also be the first to forgive, the first to hold our lips, the first to turn the other cheek, the first to go the extra mile. You know, in church, we preach a lot about forgiveness, but what about reconciliation? Reconciliation is the basis of one of the favorite parables that we all enjoy, the, 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 the prodigal son. The prodigal son wasn't just forgiven. The prodigal son was embraced back, reconciled. We were not just forgiven by God. We were reconciled back to God. That when God looks at us now, he doesn't see our past. He sees Jesus in our present. And he sees the future that Jesus bought for us. In the same way, God is saying that if, if that's what I stand for, that's what my people need to stand for. You shall not murder. It's not just about not hurting people. It's also about forgiving the hurts. It's also about nullifying the hurts. And, and, and do we live in the perfect world? No. But maybe this is what God wants us to do. First and foremost, love. Love. Start from a position of love. Love them, as Jesus says. Love your enemies. Even if they're your enemies, love them. Love them and then bless them. Now, what do they want from you? Bless them. Bless them. If, if they say that, you know, you've not been good, bless them. No, turn the other cheek. Give them what they want. If they feel like you, you owe them apology, bless them. You know, don't just apologize, but bless them. You know, even if they have harmed you, repay good for evil. Because that's what Jesus did for us. We did evil to God and we did evil in the eyes of God. And what did God give us? God gave us his son. God repaid our ultimate evil, called our sin, with the ultimate good, called Jesus. And not just that, he says, pray. And the last part, I feel, is something a lot of us need to hear because the truth is this, we can love, we can bless, and we can even repay good, even though evil has been done against us. Is it easy? No. We need the grace of God. And because Jesus did it first, we can ask him for strength because God helped me to do what you already did for me. But even if you have love, even after you have blessed and even after you have repaid good, what if the other party is still against you? What if there are relationships in your life that can never be reconciled again? And, you know, we have hurt people before, right? You know, if anyone has ever been in a relationship, you know, you know that sometimes it's, you know, <laughs> uh, it's not so easy to forgive our exes and so not so easy for our exes to forgive us. 
for the ex-girlfriend, ex-boyfriend, ex-husband, ex-wife. Pick your poison. And this is where it's so important for God to say pray. Because forgiveness sometimes on the other side takes time. And maybe they still don't have God in their lives. Maybe they still have a lot of abuse happening in their lives. And so it's going to take some time before they can even appreciate what you have done. Appreciate the humility that you have subjected yourself to. So what do you do? Pray. Even if after all you've done to love, bless, and to repay with good, they still hate you, they still don't want to have anything to do with you, pray. Pray for them. Pray for them. And I believe that's a word because, and maybe for some watching right now, it needs to start from there. Before you can even love, maybe you need to pray. Pray to God to give you love. Pray to God to to help you to forgive first. And maybe in the prayer, in the asking God for help, in the serving of the people that have hurt you, maybe as you pray and as you try to love, maybe God will show you that, show you two things. That at the end of the day, we are flawed. Just as, just, you know, because who are we to demand people to forgive us if, if we find it hard to forgive others, find it hard to love others who have wronged us? And so as you pray to God, God will reveal to you how flawed you are. And hopefully in that revelation, your own flaws will help you to identify with the flaws of the other people and realize that there's nobody that's perfect. And, and just like how flawed you are, they are also flawed. And because they are also flawed, they need Jesus. And until they, 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 they have Jesus, they cannot release the full healing and forgiveness that, that you need. But the good news is this. When you forgive first, you turn the tables. You no longer need their forgiveness because you already have God's. And so in doing this, in living this out, is it easy to go the extra mile to love other people? No. To reconcile other people? No. But we need to do it because Jesus commands us to do it and Jesus will give us the strength to do it. But as we do that, may God reveal the flaws in our lives so that we begin to forgive other people for the flaws in their life. Jesus said, it's no longer an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It's time to break the cycle. And it starts with the sons and daughters of God first. Those that have first been forgiven, forgive first. And the cycle is broken. And pray for them, those that hurt you. Pray that God will turn on the light of salvation in their lives and help them to see their own flaws, like how you have seen your flaw. And hopefully one day there can be greater forgiveness. But until that day, let's never stop loving. Let's never stop blessing. Let's never stop repaying good for evil. Let's never stop praying. Amen. This is not, I know, it started by, by feeling like, you know, you shall not murder. Bye-bye, everyone. But as we go in deeper, just like all things of God, 
we realize how much more we need to meditate on this and work on it. And I pray that we will. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I know that first of all, as we talk about hatred, um, pain, uh, the, the private thoughts in our lives, uh, the times where we have privately been you know, gossiping, privately been prejudicial, privately been holding on to grudges, holding on to anger, um, privately been sniping people from afar with our insults, putting them down so that we feel justified. Oh God, whenever we talk about this, it gets icky and uncomfortable and it also brings out a lot of hurt. So God, right now, I just want to pray for anyone that's hurting right now. God, I believe you gave us this word as a mirror to our soul, not so that we can feel bad about ourselves, but so that we can work on ourselves. So God, right now, I pray that we first ask you for forgiveness. Lord, forgive us for the times that we have spoken ill of somebody else. God, forgive us for the times where we refuse to forgive ourselves, when we call ourselves empty-headed, stupid, useless, good for nothing when you have already told us that's not who we are. Forgive us for the times when we refuse to forgive ourselves even though you have first forgiven us. Forgive us when we refuse to forgive our brothers and sisters. Forgive us first. Help us to deal with our anger so that it doesn't become an issue in our lives. And God, help us, God, to be peacemakers. God, right now I pray, even as we are in church, and right now, it feels like we are at the altar. And Lord, right now, as we're engaging with you, if there is right now anything that we need to do, would you speak, Holy Spirit? Would you speak to us? Lord, if there's a, a, a right, we, if there's a wrong, we need to make right. If, if there is something we need to do, a right that we need to give up, the right to be right, God, help us to give it up right now. Help us to forgive right now. Lord, if there's somebody that we need to call to say sorry, we need to text to say sorry, God, help us to do it, Lord, so that you will be glorified. So that healing will also come, not just to our lives, but into that person's life. But most importantly, that you will be glorified. And God, help us, Lord, in our lives, Lord, to go the extra mile. Just like how you went the extra mile for us forgiving us of our sin and past. Lord, may we love people like how you love us. And God, it's not easy. So I pray that you will also fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we do all things not according to our strength, which will fail, but according to your strength, which makes all things possible. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we move on and wrap things up as a service, uh, today, we talk so much about pain, forgiveness, and friends, and like I said, we live in a very toxic world, and you might be watching this and you're not yet a Christian, but friends, I want you to know that forgiveness is the key. Let down that knife, let down that hurt, stop demanding an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And let's, first of all, lift up our hands that are not as clean as we think they are. For every smeagol that you think you are, there is a golem. And as much as you hate to believe that you are a golem, that 
wants to cling on to the preciousness of that pain, of that grudge, we need to let go. Otherwise, it will lead to our doom. And maybe for some of us, that's the first thing you need to do right now. Come to Jesus. Come to God. Before you can make peace with other people, you need to make peace with God. And the good news is this. Jesus came. He came. He gave up his privileges. He gave up his right. He went the extra mile. He came down to serve mankind and to die for mankind. He lived how we should have lived. And he died how we should have died so that now we can live like how he wants us to live. So friends, the key to healing, the key to true peace is with Jesus. Why don't you come to him? Open up your heart. If that's you and you desire forgiveness, you desire peace, you desire to make peace with God today, that in a while we're going to lead you in a prayer. Would you repeat it, echo it in your heart? Invite Jesus in. When you do that, the Bible says you've been born again, brand new. Your past has been forgiven. A new life will be blessed and grace to you. And this new life will enable you to live, enable you to forgive, enable you to love those that have hurt you before. God bless. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.axchurch.uk. God bless.